The first batch of college football playoff rankings for the 2020 season were announced on Tuesday night, and it doesn't look too good for Penn State. I'm Kev McGuire. This is Locked on Nittany Lions. Let's get to it. You are Locked on Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Wednesday, November 25th, 2020. It is Thanksgiving Eve. It's right tomorrow's Thanksgiving, so prepare your stomachs now for all the turkey and stuffing and mashed potatoes covered in gravy. It's going to be a great day of food, and I think we all deserve it, right? We all deserve a day to just sit back, relax, and stuff our mouths full of delicious Thanksgiving food. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm particularly interested in what's going to be served at my Thanksgiving meal, going over to my sister's. Uh, her, my brother-in-law is going to be cooking, and I cannot wait because I know how good of a cook he is. Cannot wait to have a Thanksgiving meal in their home. Hopefully you guys get a chance to have Thanksgiving in whatever way you're going to do so. I know this is a very weird year, and I want you to make sure that you guys are all taking all the precautions you need to take to enjoy the holiday as safely and responsibly as you possibly can. In the meantime, we are still here getting ready for this weekend's game between Penn State and Michigan. And yes, there will be a podcast tomorrow on Thursday. We're going to be talking to our pal Ben Stevens from the Locked On Big Ten podcast. And we'll be back on Friday with our regularly scheduled Friday rundown. I know it's been a while since we've done one, but we are going to have an episode for you on Friday as well. So if you're out Black Friday shopping or you're still enjoying an extended holiday weekend, we're going to have podcasts for you every day this week. So don't worry. But in today's episode, we are going to be talking to Isaiah Holt, the host of the Locked On Wolverines podcast. You can also check him out as the publisher of uh, Wolverines Wire on the USA Today Sports Media Group. Uh, great analyst and great insight on the Michigan program coming up in today's episode. So you make sure you check out everything that Isaiah's got going on. And of course, if you enjoy this podcast and you want to hear more stuff like this, you want to hear more guests, the best way to help support and grow our show is with your subscription and a rating and review on whatever your favorite podcasting app is. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure you're subscribed. After the episode, leave a rating and review. Let us know what you think about today's episode or the podcast in general. It really does help us move forward with this program. And I'm excited. <laughs> Despite what's going on on the Penn State football field, I'm excited about this podcast and the direction it is going. Hopefully you guys feel the same as well. You can also reach out and follow us on all of our social media platforms. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch using the username LockedOnNittany. And don't forget on Saturday, Shortly after Penn State wraps up their game against Michigan, we will go live on our Twitch channel with our live post-game stream uh, reacting to the game as it has happened. Uh, it, it should be fun, and you can always hop in in the chat, submit your questions and your comments. Uh, if you need to vent some frustrations, that seems to be the recurring theme this year. Uh, but, of course, that'll be fun on Twitch in video form, and we'll also throw that audio up for you on the podcast. So make sure you're subscribed. You'll never miss a single uh, podcast episode, audio, anything we've got going on. Best way to do that is to get subscribed right now. But that's all for me. We're going to go ahead and get today's episode away. I do want to start with just a couple of quick notes, just a couple of housekeeping items as far as uh, some of the national storylines that are out there before we get into our interview a little bit later today with Isaiah Hole from Locked On Wolverines. So let's go ahead and check some of the things out of the notebook right now. 
I promise I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the college football playoff rankings on this podcast for the rest of the season because, quite honestly, they mean absolutely nothing as far as Penn State is concerned. We will touch on it on a weekly basis just to kind of see what's happening with the playoff picture. And, of course, any Big Ten teams that are in the rankings, we'll just make a quick note of. And I say this because on Tuesday night, the first college football playoff rankings were officially announced. Your top four teams are number one, Alabama, number two, Notre Dame, number three, Clemson, and number four, Ohio State. So obviously Ohio State's only played four games, but it's more than enough to convince the college football playoff committee that they are worthy of inclusion in a playoff if it were to start today. Of course, it does not. There's still a lot of football to be played. And my obligatory reminders to everybody listening and who anybody who follows me, every time that these rankings come out on a weekly basis, I will tell you that the only rankings that matter from the selection committee are the ones they put together at the end of the season when they are determining actually who is going to play in the playoff officially. Everything else is just a practice run for their main job. They only have one job, the selection committee, and that is to field the top four teams in the playoff, sort out the rest of the New Year's Six, and that's it. <laughs> Everything else is for show and theater and discussion and debate, and I guess I'm guilty as charged because I'm buying into it right now. But we are not going to overreact to it. We're Obviously, we don't really care about it right now on this podcast because Penn State's not going to make the college football playoff. Uh, they did not appear in the top four. Surprise, surprise. But I will just note uh, the Big Ten teams that were in the rankings this week. Uh, I already mentioned Ohio State at number four. Uh, Northwestern at number eight. Probably a pretty decent spot for them right now. Keeps them on the radar. Still need some help. Probably needs to beat Ohio State, obviously, in order to get into the playoff. Probably not likely, but good for Pat Fitzgerald and his team. Uh, number 12, Indiana. I actually think Indiana is better than Northwestern. But, of course, Indiana has the one loss to Ohio State. So maybe that's the big difference right there. Uh, Wisconsin comes in at number 16. Iowa at number 24. A couple quick takeaways from the college football playoff. First of all, this selection committee does not need to be traveling to meet in person to have these discussions right now. Anything they're doing right now can be done over Zoom. So it's pretty irresponsible as far as I'm concerned uh, for the college football playoff selection committee to be flying in from all around the country to gather in their hotel uh, and get the all-expense-paid trip to just sit there and debate a college football ranking that really means nothing until the end of the season that's all i'm going to say about that we'll move on i will say coastal carolina probably deserves to be higher byu definitely deserves to be higher they're getting scorched for their lack of strength of schedule it's not really their fault though i mean byu is just going out and dominating everybody and it's not really a case where you have to where you say byu should play somebody if they want to be ranked higher well they can't play somebody if the majority of these power conferences are locking their teams out from being able to schedule BYU. Uh, obviously, Big Ten teams can't play out-of-conference games. Uh, Pac-12 teams cannot play non-conference games, although that might be amended. I, I think there might be a little bit more flexibility as the Pac-12 is trying to figure some things out to help some teams. Uh, ACC schools got a chance to play one non-conference game, and those are all pretty much booked except for those ACC-SEC rivalries. And the Big 12 teams had September to fill in a non-conference slot. SEC schools can't play uh, a team out of their SEC. So BYU is pretty much climbing an uphill battle at number 14. A very disrespectful. I think they should be much closer to Cincinnati. I'm fine with Cincinnati at number 7. And Georgia at 9 with two losses is ridiculous. And I think that if you swap BYU and Georgia, that would probably be the best solution here. Because BYU deserves to be in the top 10 at the very least. Number 14 is an absolute disgrace. 
Dabo Sweeney's also a disgrace. I'm just going to throw that out there. He needs to stop picking on Florida State for the cancellation or postponement of last weekend's game. Uh, for whatever reason, Dabo Sweeney seems to be turning into this generation's Steve Spurrier uh, because he's just cracking off uh, uh, zingers and really taking it to Florida State for a decision that the presidents of Clemson and Florida State both agreed was the right decision to be made. So if Dabo Sweeney has a problem, he can take it up with the president's office. And now we will move on. Coming up in our next segment, we're going to talk to Isaiah Hull, again, the host of the Locked On Wolverines podcast. We'll start to get his take on the state of the Michigan Wolverines. As Penn State looks to win in Ann Arbor and pick up their first win of the season against a team in Michigan that's coming off a win, although a triple overtime win, at Rutgers. We'll get Isaiah's take on everything that's going on with Michigan beginning in our next segment. So Davos Winnie needs to chill, and you probably need to chill too. And now, with the Thanksgiving weekend pretty much upon us, now is a great time to make sure your fridge is stocked up so you are ready to chill. And hit that reset button with Coors Light, the beer that is literally made to chill. It is cold lagered, it is cold filtered, and it's cold packaged, and it's best enjoyed cold because, like I said, it's literally made to chill. It's also made to enjoy chilled. So the best way to enjoy Coors Light is sitting on your couch, watching Penn State try to get their first win of the season this weekend against the Michigan Wolverines. And if your fridge is starting to run a little bit low on Coors Light, you don't have to worry about it. In these times, you don't even have to leave your house. You don't even have to change out of those pajama pants that I know you're probably in right now. All you have to do is on your phone or on your tablet or on your laptop or if you're at your computer, whatever the case may be, go to get.coorslight.com and you can find out how you can get Coors Light in the new package delivered straight to your door. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. And as always, especially these holiday weekends, make sure to celebrate responsibly You're from your friends at Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. So as we all know, Thanksgiving is coming up tomorrow. You're probably going to eat way too much. And it's a day when you can put that diet off to the side and indulge a little bit. But when you want to get back on track, there's no better way to do that than making sure you've got the protein bar that tastes just like a chocolate bar, and that is the Built Bar. That's right. They are now more deliciouser than they've ever been before. They've got some brand new flavors for you to try out in addition to all of their classic original flavors, and they've got some great deals coming up. Check it out. If you're looking to do some Black Friday shopping, you want to make sure you go to BuiltGo.com. On Thanksgiving Day, beginning at 5 p.m., they're going to introduce the all-new White Chocolate Bar while supplies last, White Chocolate Cookies and Cream, White Chocolate Salted Caramel, and they've even got a couple good promos you want to take advantage of you can get two free candy cane brownie bars with every item you purchase they are 150 calories 17 grams of protein 7 grams of sugar and 20 percent off all products all weekend long on builtbar.com go to builtbar.com and get 25 percent off for black friday and then on top of that you enter the promo code locked on, you're going to save an extra 20% off. That is 45% off your shopping on builtbar.com by using the promo code locked on. How can you go wrong? If you're looking for protein bars that are going to help fill you up and you're going to feel good about eating them, you want to make sure you take advantage of this deal on Black Friday. Once again, go to builtbar.com, get 25% off for Black Friday, and then use the promo code locked on. You'll save an extra 20% off your order. That's 45% off anything you purchase on Black Friday from BuiltBar.com and you get those two free candy cane brownie bars with every item purchased. You know you got to check it out. All right, we are getting set for this weekend's game between Penn State and Michigan and who better 
to ask about the Michigan Wolverines than the very own host of the Locked On Wolverines podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, Isaiah Hull, publisher of Wolverines Wire on USA Today Sports Media Group. Like I said, host of the Locked On Wolverines podcast. And you can hear him every Tuesday on the Locked On College Football podcast. Isaiah, it's great to have you on the podcast here on Locked On Nittany Lions. How's it going today? Well, uh, good. Been a long day, like you like you said. Did the uh, yesterday did the whole uh, locked on college football, trying to get ready for this game. No idea what to expect from either team at this point. So, uh, let's do it. Let's get into it. Yeah, that seems to be the biggest question about what to expect from this game because I feel like uh, you know I feel like Penn State and Michigan have some similar storylines going with them because there's some questions about the quarterback play going into this weekend. Maybe he was even going to start at quarterback for both these teams. And I guess that's the first question I do want to ask you: Is there any insight on who we may see lining up at the quarterback position for Michigan when this game starts this weekend? Well, it sounds and. It, it, this is what I would have anticipated. It sounds like it's going to be Cade McNamara. Now, Jim Harbaugh was very mum about uh, about that on Monday. He didn't want to answer that question. Uh, but uh, we talked on Tuesday to cornerback Vincent Gray. We actually asked him what uh, what you know who who would you expect Penn State to start? And somehow I got lost in translation. And he said, "Well, it's it's most likely going to be Cade McNamara, who's he's who I'd expect to start." Uh, which is, I think, the right move for Michigan because as much as I do st- still stand by everything I've said uh, on the Lockdown Wolverines podcast about Joe Milton, that he is uber talented. There are very few, uh, if any, quarterbacks in college football that have his uh, level of talent. Uh, at the same time, it just wasn't working. He seemed to be overthinking. The coaches were asking way too much. They didn't have a run game going when he was in. And it just started to kind of break him uh, a little bit, I think, down the stretch. Because uh, you saw him have high completion percentages, make the good choices early on, and just kind of progressively got worse uh, over the course of the season. Uh, some Michigan fans will tell you that he was never good uh, because that's what Michigan fans do uh, at the quarterback position. But, at, I, you know, the first three games, he honestly – was very good, very, very good in, in week one. He was decent in weeks two and three uh, with some problem areas here and there, and then just completely regressed in uh, the last two weeks. Uh, so Michigan did what I expected them to do, which was roll him out against Rutgers and uh, see how he fared. And he, after about a quarter and a half, it wasn't working. So they put in Caden McNamara and completely changed things around. Uh, so uh, I would expect McNamara, uh, I think that uh, that's the right move for Michigan. He definitely has provided them a spark, even in the Wisconsin game. He came in for two series, uh, and uh, one of them went, uh, you know, he just drove the field against a, a defense that the offense was struggling to move the ball on and scored a touchdown. Yes, it was garbage time, but he kind of proved himself this last week against Rutgers. Uh, we know it's an improved Rutgers team, right? This isn't the same doormat that was losing every game, you know, by not only double digits, but not putting any points on the board. Uh, all of their games have been relatively close this year. State. So uh, the fact that he was able to go in on the road against uh, a team that Michigan should beat, uh, but was down 17 to nothing, had led the second biggest road comeback in school history. Uh, I think that, that uh, that's who you got to go with. So I'm excited to see what he does now that he's actually going to come out as the starter. How is he going to respond? Uh, and especially now that there's film out on him, you know, there hasn't been film out on, on him before. Things can change in that light as well. 
Yeah, Penn State sort of just went through a similar issue with Sean Clifford. They started Will Levis last week and ended up having to go back to Sean Clifford. So that's why it's a little bit of a question mark for Penn State side going into this game. And quarterback storylines are always fun to talk about, but I'm kind of curious, that, you know, you covering Michigan, I'm kind of curious what the take is on offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis now, uh, a couple years into the mix with the Wolverines. Obviously a former Penn State assistant, that's why I'm kind of bringing him up right now. But is there any kind of pressure on on him to start t- turning a corner with this Michigan offense or what, what is the the current temperature of Josh Gaddis's situation there I think Gaddis is safer assuming that the, the you know the band can is allowed to come back together next year which I would assume to some degree you know Harbaugh would be welcomed back by the athletic department uh, with some particular uh, particular changes I don't think Gaddis would necessarily be one who would be broomed out I think that you know, he, he's still a young offensive coordinator, and he seemed to find his groove last year uh, about midseason as far as play calling was concerned. And, and when he found his groove, it was incredible. But this year, it started out great against Minnesota. It seemed like, he, you know, he was pressing all the right buttons. And then after that, it became uh, really confusing, I think is the best way to put it. It, it. it didn't really, the play calls particularly, didn't make a lot of sense. The personnel groupings continue even against Rutgers uh, for the first half continue to make very little sense. Uh, they haven't seemed to want to settle. I understand you have four running backs uh, that all could play, but they haven't wanted to settle on one or two to to really get into a rhythm. Instead, Gaddis and Jay Harbaugh, running backs coach, were just kind of putting in guys. You know, guys were sitting. You know, Hassan Haskins or Zach Charbonnet would come in for for a play, have a really nice play, and then they'd sit for a half hour. So it, there's a lot of things like that. Uh, not really knowing if you want to be a pro spread team, like he kind of said, or if you want to incorporate some other elements into that. Like there are times where they'd spread the field and then they'd go to condensed formations and they'd basically telegraph their plays. Uh, they were losing on first and second down pr- pretty much uh, – all across the board, and they finally kind of started to figure out what to do uh, against Rutgers in the second half with with Cade in there. So I'd say that he's not necessarily fully safe, but uh, you can see some ingenuity there. You can see what he's trying to do with the whole speed and space, similar types of things that Penn State did under Joe Moorhead, definitely the same kind of things that Alabama was doing uh, with with Gaddis and Mike Loxley under Saban. Uh, But Sometimes it just seemed like, you know, they were overthinking, you know, too, too many, especially with as many young players as Michigan has on the offensive side of the ball, uh, just too, you know, too many motions, too many ways in which it felt like Gaddis was trying to trick you rather than just beat you. Right. Because when you look at teams like Ohio State, uh, especially under Urban Meyer, less so under Ryan Day, but under Urban Meyer, the offense sometimes only seemed like it had five plays, but the thing was, is those five plays could beat you, right? Like they were going to out-athlete you. They were going to just beat you because they were more talented. Michigan arguably has not necessarily as good of talent as Ohio State, but when Ohio State, you know, has had finished in recruiting classes at you know third, fourth, fifth, Michigan was like fourth, fifth, and sixth, like right behind them every year. But yet they were not acting like it. They acted like they have to be. Uh, you know, a group of plucky upstarts who need to outsmart you in some way, somehow. So that's where I think I'd like to see Gaddis settle down a bit more is just recognize what you have at your disposal and utilize the talent at your disposal. 
Uh, doesn't seem like he does that as often as he should. A lot of times, again, he's just trying to outsmart you in a lot of ways in which you really just don't need to. And so once he can kind of figure out like, hey, I've got this talent at my disposal. Let's just utilize the talent at what it's good at. Because you see a lot of things that are really questionable. I mean, even when you do see like Zach Charbonnet on the field, they're, they're running a speed play for him when he's not the fast tailback. Or they're, they put Blake Corum in at who's the speed tailback, running him, you know, trying to get three yards on a third and three up the middle. A lot of things that just don't make sense like that. So uh, if he can revert back to what he was doing last year, I think it would be go really well for the Michigan offense. But uh, it's been really a work in progress ever since week one. That seems to be one of the more common criticisms I tend to hear about Jim Harbaugh and the way that he recruits and builds his program. Do they have the personnel to compete at that next level that Michigan's trying to strive to? Do they have the the athletes in place to run the kind of offense that Josh Gaddis was really brought there to do? I mean, I think for the most part they do. Um, it's a really, really young group right now. There's not a lot of seniors and a lot of the seniors and even juniors that uh, are, that have extensive playing time that were normally out there that lot, there's a lot of injuries right now all across the board. Uh, right now, you, uh, the last couple weeks, we haven't seen either of the starting tackles on either side of the ball. Aiden Hutchinson's out for the year, uh, the defensive end. But uh, on the offensive end, we haven't seen Jalen Mayfield, who opted back in after having opted out. Uh, we haven't seen Ryan Hayes, the former four-star from Traverse City at left tackle. Uh, and uh, Quiddy Pay has been out for the last couple weeks as well. And he might be Michigan's best player outside of maybe Daxton Hill, but he's a guy that has been grading out really well on pro football focus. They have him as a first-round draft pick. I think they have the talent. Again, they just don't always put them in the right positions, which is just confounding because when Harbaugh arrived – in Ann Arbor, it was it, it was kind of the complete opposite thing. They they were finding guys like Jeremy Clark, who was a safety, converting him to corner, and then he ended up being an an NFL draft pick uh, when he was a three star that uh, a gray shirt candidate when he was a recruit. Uh, ended up being just a uh, ended up getting his scholarship right out the gates. But there, the, it seems like they're doing a lot of things like that where uh, are unlike that where they're, they're switching guys in positions and they're just not boating well yet. So I think that they have quite a bit of talent. It's just it's either regressing or it's young. And uh, the defensive side is where it seems to really be struggling because you see guys that had really stellar years last year, like Cam McGrone, uh, who's just been kind of middling. They've always, you know, they've always talked about how good Josh Ross was and he was really good in 2018 platooning with uh, Devin Gill, but he struggled so far this year. Uh, the safe, safety position's been decent, but Dax Hill had a pretty bad game against Rutgers without, you know, outside of that last uh, play interception to finish off the game. Uh, so, like, then the cornerback position has just been an absolute train wreck. So that's uh, it. Doesn't help that Avery Thomas opted out. I know you know something about having a star defensive player opt out and not mm -hmm. opting back in. So that hasn't helped up. I mean, and then offensively, it's just a young group. It's just a lot of people who haven't played offensive line, uh, tight end wide receiver running back, uh, has got a lot of youth. And even the guys that have played the few that have, you're looking at the running back position. 
again, they're not seeing the field because of the personnel groupings. Zach Charbonnet and Hassan Haskins. Haskins finally got to assert himself against Rutgers, had 22 carries. But before that, I don't think he had more than eight. Uh, I mean, he had like 21 carries through four games. Uh, Same thing with Zach Charbonnet. So that's where, again, they have the talent. It's just they're not utilizing it well. Yeah, absolutely. That seems like it's a, a little bit of a problem when you're trying to win some games and find some consistency. It just hasn't been there for Michigan. Certainly hasn't been there for Penn State. And that's why, you know, somebody's got to win this weekend. And I think if you look at the series history, certainly more recent years, the home field advantage has been quite a decisive factor, I would say. We've had a, a string of what three straight blowouts in the series. Last year's game was a little closer, although it started off Penn State kind of blowing the doors off of Michigan. Michigan certainly battled back. Uh, obviously had a chance to tie the game. And if they do tie it, I I think Michigan wins that game last year, but you know, home field advantage isn't necessarily the same thing it has been in years past. What is the home game experience like right now for Michigan? Well, to some degree, and I know this probably doesn't make a lot of sense, but especially considering the capacity of Michigan Stadium, it it it's a it's been very quiet in general, and it doesn't feel a terrible amount different being at these games as it does. I mean, it does for me because I'm in the press box and not on the sideline like I normally am, but it's the Michigan's home field advantage has been very minute, despite the fact that they tend to win at home. Uh, they've only lost to two teams in uh, the Jim Harbaugh era at home. And that's uh, well, three now that they lost to Wisconsin, but uh, they had only lost to Michigan state and Ohio state. So it, but Michigan, the Michigan Stadium crowd is an aging crowd in general. Uh, they they're very much as uh, <laughs> down in front, sit down. Uh, that, that they're not a raucous crowd, unlike if you go to Happy Valley, which I know obviously you do. I mean, I've been to three whiteouts now, and it's easily the most raucous environment I've ever been in. I mean, way more even than being at Ohio State, which I think says something. So, uh, I, I'm not sure how much the, the 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 fans necessarily get in the heads of the, the Penn State players when they come through the tunnel. Because, yeah, I mean, there is still a difference between seeing your home crowd and seeing 110, 112,000 people who uh, are rooting against you. But, I mean, it, it is still a little bit eerie, regardless of the fact that the, the sound doesn't really uh, seem to affect much, you know, in general. But just seeing such a, you know, cavernous, you know, stadium that's so well storied uh, with just a smattering of people in there. Now you're not going to see any because of the governor order uh, that just happened because of covid Mm -hmm. zero people in the stands. Uh, So uh, I'm curious to see if that flips the script a little bit, because that's kind of how I predict the Michigan Penn State game on a yearly basis is who's home. Well. If, if Michigan's home, Michigan's going to win. If Penn right. State's home, then Penn State's going to win. And uh, I, I, I figured that I'm just going to probably keep doing that until someone proves it wrong. I mean, I know Michigan won in 2015, but that, was, uh, that wasn't a very good Penn State team that year. Uh, and it was a, a ascending Michigan team. So that one made sense. But uh, aside from that, these two teams always seem to be relatively relatively even. Uh, although I, I think the 2017 was a little bit different because Penn State was a was a much much better team than Michigan going into that game, but uh, I, yeah, I don't I don't know what it's uh, how how it's gonna look uh, for the the people that uh, are wearing uh, all white in this game uh, when they go out and see the 
you know, no fans. Is is it still going to be a place that feels daunting? I'm not really sure. Yeah, well, and another thing to keep in mind is that while Penn State has had a, a troubling time coming out of Ann Arbor with some wins, obviously teams change every year. And this is going to be a pretty young Penn State team, too. So they haven't exactly had the experience of going to Ann Arbor for the most part uh, just yet. So it's going to be pretty interesting to watch. Of course, everybody will get a chance to watch it at noon Eastern on ABC. What is ABC thinking putting this game on at noon in the prime time or the uh, the, the, the main noon slot for the uh, mm-hmm. uh, the ABC telecast? I just don't get that. Uh, I think it's a, instead of trying to see who might win the division, trying to figure out who might lose it. Yeah, right? so <laughs> probably. Well, I know that uh, Penn State has already clinched a losing record this year, so uh, we'll we'll see. Maybe eventually they're going to win a game by mistake, but I, I'm not really sure if it's going to happen this weekend. Do you have any kind of early takes on this game? Anything that and I'm not asking you to share a prediction because I don't know if you're going to go on record later. But do you have anything that you're going to be looking for in particular in this game? Uh, well, for, for Michigan, just trying to contain the pass game. They've been a lot better at uh, the cornerback position the last two weeks. Uh, Jamon Green did let uh, Bo Melton break one out, a 61-yarder for a touchdown. But otherwise, I, I think that the, the corners did a lot better, whereas that was the Achilles heel. Vincent Gray's finally starting to look better. But the teams have found other ways to attack, right? Like they've, they you know, Michigan shows zone. They figure, you know, figure out that Michigan's in zone. Sometimes Michigan disguises man and switches to zone, but the you know we saw it uh, last week against Rutgers. We saw it against uh, Indiana as well as just attacking the soft spots in the zone. Wisconsin did something completely different. Wisconsin attacked uh, Michigan's defense on the end around. Uh, so Michigan's defense stopping Penn State's offense, even though Penn State's offense has stopped itself uh, more often than not this year. I think that. This is uh, this is their opportunity if they really want to try to to do something because Michigan's defense hasn't been able to stop a paper bag blowing in a uh, light breeze this year. So uh, I, I'm curious to see what ends up happening as far as that side of the ball uh, for Penn State's defense stopping Michigan's offense. Uh, if Michigan's offense moves the ball the way it did with Cade under center last week, I mean, uh, they only punted once. Uh, in that ten in that time frame since he came in, so I, I'm curious to see if the offense can continue to move the ball, especially against a Penn State defense that hasn't been quite as stout as we anticipated. Uh, the offensive line seems like it's come into its own a little bit, even with all the new pieces. They last week they had three uh, reserves starting because not only were the tackles out, but so was center Andrew Vistardis. So I, I'm curious to see just how. Uh, if you do have Carson Barnhart and Andrew Stuber uh, starting there on the edges, h- how are they able to contain Jason Owe uh, and how, how are and Shaka Tony? I'm just curious to see how they're able to do that because they haven't really faced a formidable pass rush, I don't think, this year. So I, I'm curious to see that. But the other on the other end of the the coin there, if uh, I, I know that if if it's Clifford starting, I know that he's. Uh, He's been pressured quite a bit. Michigan struggled to pressure. The the guys have graded out really well up front when you look at pro football focus, but they're not getting home. And that's a huge component to the defense. And uh, every team has kind of realized if we get rid of the ball really fast, then we negate the strength of the Michigan defense. So I want to see if the, you know, for for a, a team that's allowed some pressure in Penn State, will Michigan be able to get home? So I, I, those are all huge questions that I have zero answers to. <laughs> I feel like that's the story of the season as well. There's so many questions. I really can't answer some of them that are out there. 
Isaiah, I appreciate the insight on what's going on with the Michigan Wolverines heading into this weekend's game. I want to give you a chance real quick to remind the listeners of Locked on Nittany Lions how they can get in touch with you, anything you got going on, anything else you want to plug. The floor is yours, my friend. I'll just follow me at uh, Isaiah Hole on whatever platform you want, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, Definitely putting up more pictures of my puppy who is currently pouting because I'm doing this podcast right now (laughs) instead of petting and playing with her but uh uh or wolverineswire.usatoday.com locked on wolverines podcast wherever you get your podcasts of course we'll uh, share all that information and the links in the show notes for this episode on your favorite podcasting platform as well isaiah good talking to you hopefully we'll do it again soon absolutely thanks for having me my thanks to isaiah for carving out a little bit of time during what is certainly a busy and a holiday week uh, covering Michigan and getting ready for this weekend's game. I appreciate the time that he was able to dedicate. I also want to make sure you also check out the Locked On Wolverines podcast because on Tuesday's episode, I hopped on his podcast and we talked a little bit about this game from the Penn State point of view. So if you want to go check that out as well, I hope you will do that and support the Locked On Wolverines in addition to supporting Locked On Nittany Lines. And really, the best part about being a part of this Locked On Podcast Network is there are so many great hosts covering so many de- teams and it is always great to bring on one of them to to be able to talk about whoever Penn State happens to be playing that coming weekend. And that is one of the beauties of the Locked On Podcast Network. doesn't matter what team you like, whether it's college or pro, there is probably a podcast out there for you. So if you have not checked them all out right now, go and look for the podcast covering your favorite teams in addition to Penn State, of course. And of course, I do want to thank you guys for listening, subscribing, reading, and reviewing. So many things to be thankful for this weekend. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in tomorrow's episode because I do feel like Thanksgiving, uh, we're going to have a podcast, and I do want to spend some time talking about some of the things we are thankful for because you know this has been a very trying year for so many different reasons. But tomorrow in the podcast, we're going to take a look at some of the things that we are thankful for, and you guys listening and you guys supporting the show is certainly tops on my list, not to spoil anything in tomorrow's episode. So make sure you're subscribed. Never miss a single episode. We will have a new podcast for you the rest of the week, so don't worry about that. We'll have something for you to listen to on your way to Thanksgiving meals uh, with your family and your friends, whatever the case may be, whatever you may be doing. We're going to be there for you as well. And, of course, you can follow us on all of our social media platforms. We're using the username LockedOnNittany on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. And I'm Kevin McGuire. You can follow me on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. Check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash McGuire. And, of course, check out my content over on athlonsports.com. With all that out of the way, guys, have a great day. If you don't get a chance to check out the podcast the next couple of days, I understand. But we will be there for you. And in, just in case, I do want to wish you guys all a very happy Thanksgiving. Stay safe, be responsible, and eat plenty of turkey. And have an extra side of mashed potatoes on me. All right? Have a great Thanksgiving, guys, if I don't talk to you before then. And we will be back tomorrow with a brand new podcast. Until then, I'll talk to you later. Happy Thanksgiving. See ya.